want to be all God wants me to be. I want to do all God wants me to do. All I have belongs to God. All God has belongs to me. God blesses me. Look at some God blesses me so I can bless others. This morning for a few minutes we're going to be talking about the thought or the theme. There's no limits uh, to our limitations. Uh, Austin has helped me with a, uh, guys if you'll help me with the lights real quick. Austin has helped me with a uh, uh, very precious uh, thing that I found on Facebook and I hope it is a blessing to you as we talk about limits. Over 14 million views on Facebook. 14 million views. No limit. No limits. No matter how crippled or messed up you think you are, there's no limits to what God wants to do through you and for you and to you. Psalms 117 is the shortest chapter in the Bible. Uh, Psalms 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. In the very middle of the Bible, there are 594 chapters before Psalm 118. There are 594 chapters after Psalm 118. So the dead center of the Bible, it says, I choose to put my trust in the Lord and not in man. I choose to put my trust in the Lord and not in man. If you go with me to John, the fourth chapter. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made him baptize more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he had to go, he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus thereof, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Look at somebody say noon. Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink, for disciples were gone away to the city to buy meat. 
Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? You Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Racism has been around a long time. It's not something new. It's been around a long time. In the Bible days, we find that there is aught between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews actually thought they were better than Samaritans, and Samaritans uh, didn't like the Jews because of that mindset. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence, then how hast thou living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall he be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Obviously, she was focused on the physical. Jesus was focused on the spiritual, and Jesus said to her, go call thy husband and come hither. Obviously a trick question. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, thou hast well said, you have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. Uh, I guess I want to say five. Thou had five husbands, and whom thou now hast is not thy husband. So what they say is, is true. What you say is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Interesting story. Um, as the Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans, when Jesus spent the night in prayer, the word said every night he went to the Father, and the Father told him what he'd be doing the next day. As he spent the night in prayer, the Father told him he wanted him to go to Samaria. He had to go to Samaria. When he got to the well, he sent the disciples on to buy food for their, for their ministry, for their journey. And he sat on a well waiting for someone to show up. I want to tell you something this morning. God is sitting on a well waiting for someone to show up. He has the answers to our questions. He has the solutions to our problems. And all he wants is an opportunity to be God in your life. This morning, you are in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing for the right reason, and we believe that God will honor that and God will bless that. A woman shows up. It's important that it's mentioned that she shows up at the sixth hour, which was noon. It was the law of that day that the virgins, the handmaidens, came to the well at daybreak, and they drew water for their, their needs. The uh, prostitutes and whores weren't allowed to come at 6 o'clock in the morning. They had to come at noon. So this woman obviously has got a scarlet letter. Obviously, she is marked. Obviously, she's had five husbands. The guy she's living with now uh, is not her husband. You'll notice that Jesus did not condemn her or confront her about the fact that she was living in adultery. He simply said, you spoke the truth. You're not married. Aren't you glad this morning that God has not come here to condemn us and to damn us, and to judge us. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, 
who walk after the flesh, walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I'm telling you this morning, God sees where you are, God knows where you are, and God does not intend to leave you where you're at. No matter what your limitations or what your challenges may be. There's a word I want to find in this passage. Let me look real quick. With my cool glasses. I want to look at verse... I need some people to hum, just hum Amazing Grace. Verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which has told me all things that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? As you read the rest of that story, you will learn that many, by her testimony, came to the well he ministered to them. They were converted. But the Bible says that many were converted simply because of her testimony. I believe that God is watching our life. I believe that there are others watching our life. And I believe that when we do what God has called us to do, it makes a difference in the lives of others. The point that I want to make, Josh, is that which reminded her that she was promiscuous and that she was a prostitute, she left that at the well. She left her water pot at the well. I believe this morning several of us have come in this building with baggage and come in this building with stuff and come in this building that marks us of who we are or what we have done. But I'm here to tell you this morning that we have a spiritual janitor called the Holy Spirit, and this morning all of your garbage and all of your baggage and everything you want to leave, you're welcome to leave here because not only does it rain on the outside of this building, but also rains on the inside of this building. I just hope it doesn't start raining now and some of us get wet, or maybe we need to get wet to be reminded of the fact that God is good all the time. God is good. We're going to work with this microphone this morning. I want to pray a hedge around this church. Uh, there is someone breaking into this church and stealing our equipment. Someone stole our projector. They, they've sold other stuff, and I guess our microphone has uh, been stolen. Help me right now. I pray a hedge of thorns around anybody that would dare enter this sanctuary for aught or negativity. I pray that you would touch them, you convict them, you would save them, you would bring them to you, and in their relationship with you, they would bring back what they've stolen. In Jesus' name, amen. Is it okay to, okay to pray that? I just felt like that we just needed. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. This little video we shared, I think her name was Grace Ann, Pastor Rhonda, and you and I actually know somebody that knows the family, that, that knows that she is the real, but I believe, she, I don't think she's a child anymore. I think that she has, I think that she has grown up. I think, is, is that right? That's kind of what I got, that she is now, she's no longer a child. But I wonder what Grace Ann thinks when she sees her video and hears herself singing, praise God, praise God. I don't believe she sees a Down syndrome. I don't, see, I don't believe she sees a dwarfism. I don't think she sees the negativity of her face being swollen. I think that she hears those words, praise God, praise God, and realizes if God can touch her and God could bless her, then God could touch millions through her testimony and through her life that she's not limited in any handicap or any negativity. God uses people that have stuff going on. Look at somebody and say, this is the place where it's okay 
not to be okay. Those are the people that God seems to use. I was trying to come up with a phrase this week, and I forgot it, but I remember it this morning. God does not call the qualified. Help me. God qualifies the called. So you're here this morning with a purpose and a destiny and a reason. God does not see you the way you are. God sees you the way that you can be. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's a mindset. It's what when you look in the mirror, if you don't see how God sees you, you're going to disqualify yourself and you're never going to accomplish the things that God has for you to accomplish. The Bible says that in, Gen in Genesis 1 and 26, we are made in the image of God. That means when God looks down upon us, he should see a reflection of himself. And if he does it, then God will change the circumstances. God will change the environment. So all glory, all credit, all honor goes to him through you. As you think in your heart, so are you. Well, what do you think about yourself? What, what, where are you? How do you? How do you judge yourself? Do you judge yourself based on the way that others have judged you or put you in a box or given you limitations or reminded of your past, of your failures? I've been, I looked at some of the things in the Word of God, and I look at the life of Noah. Noah, 500 years of age. That's pretty old. Look at somebody say, that's pretty old. At 500 years of age, probably felt like he was too old to do anything for God. Listen, you're never too old to be used by God. Let me say that again. You're never too old to be used by God. If Colonel Sanders at the age of 67 could, could, could create Kentucky Fried Chicken the way he created it, then you or I are not too old to dream the dreams that God has for us, to see the visions that God has for us, and then begin to pursue the purpose and the potential that God has given you. Look at somebody and say, you are full of potential. But the graveyards of America and of the world are full of potential. Where the date you were born and the date that you died and that little slash in between, that represents what you did, what you became, what you accomplished. I think a lot of people limit themselves because of their past failures or their past experiences. Noah did not allow the fact that he was 500 years old stop him from doing what God called him to do. But for the next 120 years, look at somebody say, that's a long time. For the next 120 years, Noah focused on the purpose and plan that God had for his life. And the story says in Hebrews 11, he makes it to the faith chapter, being warned of God of things to come. He prepared an ark for the saving of himself and of his family. The only, the only people that got saved in the flood was Noah and his three, his three sons and their three wives. That's eight people. God used Noah to save one family that you and I today are direct descendants and relatives of the family that God spared through the purpose and the plan and the potential of Noah. Does that excite anybody in this house? If you later in the afternoon go to Jeremiah 1, you will know that God will call Jeremiah and tell him before you in your mother's womb, I had a purpose and a plan for you. I'm going to send you to be a prophet to the nations. And you know how Jeremiah responded? Matt, A-H. Ah! You read it. It might not be there in your translation of the Bible, but if you're reading the true translation, the King James Version, you will see that Jeremiah responded, Ah! And I think sometimes when we come to the house of God, God begins to nudge us, and God begins to say, you can do that. Or God begins to say, 
I want you to do that. Or God begins to say, I want you to go there. I, I want you to do that. It, sometimes we can get overwhelmed by the extremity of God's nudges. I am pleased to tell you that Christine and Bailey, August 8th, will be going to India. They're going as a part of Remnant. They're going in a, in a revival. They're going to minister. They're going to touch lives. They're going to change lives. Why? Because God put that nudge in Tommy Jean's... <laughs> Number two, his cousin. Tommy and Robbie together are going to India to change lives. How crazy is it going to be on that day of days when we stand before God in the, circ the circuit of heaven and God says to Christine and Bailey, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And then these Indian guys or girls come walking up and they look at Christine and Bailey and say, I'm here because you came to my country and you danced to a song that turned me to God and I committed my heart to God. I'm here in heaven because you were faithful and you went to India. Can we give the Lord a, hand, a prophetic hand clap of praise that that's going to take place? I look at the insignificance of David. We talked last week that he was probably illegitimate. He was born out of wedlock. But God used David not just to kill the Goliath, not just to soothe the heart of Saul through music, but God raises David up to be a king after his own heart. And aren't you glad this morning that God has put in every single one of us the ability to praise and worship so we don't have to stay on the back, the back side of the country taking care of a bunch of stupid, dumb sheep, but God has called us to be kings and priests, and every one of us have that calling on our life and need to step up to that calling as we feel the nudge of God that leads us to go in that direction. I think about Jacob. When Jacob wrestled all night long with the angel of the Lord, which was probably the Lord, if you remember the story, Jacob wanted to know the angel's name. And the angel, instead of telling Jacob his name, the angel asked Jacob, what is your name? And the word Jacob means deceiver. It means manipulator. It means liar. All the junk attached to that and how discouraging that must have been for Jacob to acknowledge to if it was the Lord, I believe it was the Lord, for Jacob to acknowledge the Lord, I'm a liar, I'm a deceiver, I'm worthless. And the angel of the Lord will say, no, from now on your name will be Israel, and God is going to use you to bless the nations of the world. You may feel like the world has given you a nickname, the world has given you a name of disparaging uh, a past, but God does not see your name, he does not see your past, old things are passed away, all things are become new. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't just become new overnight. But it's a process of learning and growing and receiving from God and obeying the Lord and being faithful to what God has called you to do. And I believe this morning there are some water pots that God wants to leave here in the building. I think there's some things attached to the past. Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind. And when I think of Paul, his name was Saul. He was killing Christians. He had an open warrant. From, the, the, from Nero, and he was assigned to going into homes, separating parents from their children, separating husbands from their wives, feeding them to the lions, all the things that were attached to martyrdom. But God arrests Saul on the road to Tarsus and changes his name to Paul, and he says, I'm going to use you to touch the world. He didn't know he was going to write half of the New Testament. He didn't know that he was going to catch a vision of heaven. He didn't know that he'd be left for dead three times. All he knew, I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. 
Do we have any Pauls in the building? I think of Caleb. Caleb, at the age of 80, said, you know what? Forty years ago, I wanted to accomplish this, but there were people around me that they, they wouldn't let it happen. He said, but I feel just as good today at 80 as I did at 40. Anybody have that testimony? Now, I don't have it until about three cups of coffee, and then I say, I feel I'm 40. I'm 63, but I feel 40. I can accomplish the thing that God has called me to accomplish because he's placed in me the ability and the favor and the anointing to do it. Don't get overwhelmed when God just, just wraps his arms around you and speaks great things into you. We say it all the time. Some people don't like to say it. But if it's God's will, it's God's will. If God is nudging you and God is pushing you and God is promoting you, there is a reason. When Caleb went to get his mountain, there were five giants on the mountain that Caleb had to kill at the age of 80. But here's what happens. When you get older, you fight smarter. Now, when I was young and you would get in the ring, you had to hold your hands up for at least three minutes. That's how long a, 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 that's how long a round was. You know how hard, how hard it is to hold your hands up for three minutes? At my age now, it's almost impossible. But I've learned to cheat. There are weapons that I can use. There are moves I can make. There's things I can do that my young opponent doesn't know it. And just because I'm 60, hello, do I have a friend in the house? Just because I'm 63 doesn't mean I cannot accomplish the things that God has called me to accomplish. I've learned to, fi I've learned to fight smarter, not harder. Man, I'm preaching good this morning. I, I feel the, so, so, thank you. I appreciate that, Brother Stowers. When I think of, when I think of Joshua, Joshua was on the mountain, and Moses went to the mountain and saw the glory, and the people were down partying, and, and Joshua was halfway between the glory and the party. He didn't really know where he fit in. But when Moses died, God raised up Joshua, and here's what he told Joshua. Be strong, be encouraged. Don't let this book of the, of the law leave your mouth, for then thou shalt make the way prosperous and have good success. Josh, there's bad success, and there's good success. I have friends in my life that are both, that are, that are, well, I have, let me be careful what I say. I have millionaire friends in my life that are miserable. The only thing that satisfies them is a bottle of wine every evening. Although they've attained all this wealth and all this fortune, they are still miserable. Aren't you glad this, this, this morning that tonight all that we need for satisfaction is a glass of milk? Aren't you glad this morning that your wealth and the things of God, the things that God has called you to do, and there's no telling what, what visions and dreams God will allow you to experience if you'll place yourself in an area that you're qualified. Again, he doesn't, quali he doesn't qualify the called. He does qualify the called. Thank you, Pastor Rhonda. He doesn't call the qualified. Did you ever notice that? Because there are people in my life that I personally believe could pastor the church a lot better than me, but God chose not to use them. God chose to use me because that's the way that God rolls. He's God. He does what he wants. The sooner you get with that role, the sooner you're going to see God's purpose and plan in your life. I think about the fishermen that changed the world, the statement they made. They're just simple, unlearned, uneducated fishermen, but yet with the gospel of Christ, they literally changed the world. I think about Gideon. We've talked about him every week, hiding, trying to take care of a little field of beans. But the angel said, thy mighty man of valor. Again, God does not see you where you're at. God sees you where you can be, begins to prophesy over you, begins to declare over you. Jeremiah 29, he says, I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans. And if you spend as much time pursuing the plans of God as you did the Super Bowl, you could probably arrive at something. 
Now I'm really preaching good. Monday morning, the day after Super Bowl, 14.5 million people did not go to work. Did not go to work. Wouldn't it be something if we got so drunk in the service this morning that we couldn't go to work tomorrow? We'd have to call in. I don't know what we would say, that, but, but, but wouldn't you like to see that happen in your life? We make Super Bowl, we make life so important, but really that personal time with the Lord that we spent today, there's nothing more important than that. There's nothing more important than gathering together and worshiping God. I think about Samuel, 12 years old, just a, just a kid. So you're never too young, Christine and Bailey, to be used by God. Just a kid, hears the voice of God, honors and responds. And then we look at the lives that, that Samuel changed. I think about Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was brought to Jesus, thrown at his feet, accused of adultery. And my focus on that has always been, where was the dude when they were accusing the chick? It takes two to commit adultery, but why didn't they bring what they were after her? They were trying to set Jesus up to trap him. What did Jesus do? He got down and began to write in the sand. What did he write? The Bible says from the oldest to the youngest, they look at what he wrote, and from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their rocks and split. They dropped their rocks and walked off. What did he write? No telling. I believe he wrote their name, and I believe he wrote maybe their, maybe a, a moment in time when they messed up or they were messing up then. But what, whatever, whatever he wrote, they left. And Jesus looks at this young lady and says, where are your accusers? And she, she said, they're no more. They're gone. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go thy way and don't mess with this, this sin, this particular sin. Don't get trapped here anymore. He did not condemn her just as God does not condemn you. No matter what you bring to this altar, no matter what you did last night, no matter what you did this morning, no matter what you did 10 years ago, God does not point his finger and cuss you out and condemn you and judge you. God said, Go another way, walk a different path, be a different person, and see if I won't use your walk and your testimony. Fast forward to the, just two days before he died. He goes to a banquet. They're so excited about having Jesus. They don't honor him the way that guests are supposed to be honored. His feet from the sandals from the journey were dusty. They were, they were muddy. They were grimy. No one took time to wash his feet, which was the number one thing you did when you brought a guest into your home. Nobody washed his feet. But here's this little Mary that was a prostitute, that was a whore, that was caught in adultery. Her life was spared by Jesus. She washes his feet with her tears and dries them with her hair. And then she takes what represents her life savings. She breaks, she doesn't open it, she breaks it so that none can be saved. And she pours out her life savings on his feet. And here we are 2,000 years later talking about the little girl that was a prostitute, but Jesus did not see her as a prostitute. He healed her, restored her, and now she has a place in church history that preachers talk about almost at least one day a month. Someone says something about the lady that washed the feet of Jesus. How crazy is that? We know it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit that we do these great mighty things. In conclusion... And the time would fail me, obviously, to talk about Rahab. Uh, Rahab, again, was a, uh, had a brothel in Jericho, and uh, she had prostitutes for hire. And when the spies, the first time the spies went, there were 12. And 10 of the spies said the giants were too big to hit. Numbers 13 and 33, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own side as grasshoppers, and so we were in our enemy's 
Heights. What were you saying? The way they assumed the enemy saw them, grasshoppers, that's the way they saw themselves. Their attitude to defeat disqualified them from even starting the race. But when Joshua went to conquer the land, he didn't send 12, he sent two. And they were probably handpicked. They were probably his, Timothy's, and he knew, he knew they'd come back with a good report. As they hid there in Rahab's house, Rahab said, we've heard of what your God has done. We've heard of what your God has said. We want to be a part of your God, your, your, your inheritance. And the spy said this, when you see the troops marching around this city, let a scarlet cord fall out the window. And when that scarlet cord falls out the window, your house on the wall will be safe. The Bible says they marched seven days, the seventh day, the seventh time, and shouted, the battle is the Lord's. And Joshua, the Bible says the walls collapsed except for the wall that had the scarlet cord coming out the window. God spared a prostitute because of her decision to turn towards the things of God. And as you look at this prostitute, she will marry. They will have a son. He will marry. They will have a son. And about eight or nine generations down the road, this prostitute becomes the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. How, did you know that? How Rahab the heart, how crazy is that? And then I think about four dudes that were just trying to do what dudes do, and their life was interrupted. Their parents were murdered. They were stolen from their home. Their diet was changed. Their names were changed. But when it came that time to bow to the graven image, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Maybe we'll burn, maybe we won't, but our God will deliver us out of the mouth of the fiery furnace. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there that day when the guys that actually took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw them in the fire, the heat was so intense, it killed them. But here they are walking around, and they come out of that furnace not even smelling like smoke. I'm telling you, God can place you in the workplace. It could be a bad place. It could be an unhealthy place. But God will allow you to be there as a light that when you leave that place, you don't even smell like the environment you came from. There's a different fragrance that God has honored and blessed. And then, in conclusion, I think of Daniel. I think of a guy, again, was one of the four young men that were stolen from his country of Israel, taken to the land of Babylonian. His name was changed, and we know all the things they went through. But someone saw Daniel praying. And, Gail, they got upset because Daniel was praying. And so they came up with a plan to stop Daniel from praying. Daniel did not stop praying, and you know the story, Gene. He was thrown into the den of lions. I believe the lions were hungry. I believe they wanted to eat, but God shut the mouth of those lions so that Daniel's testimony would be to the king, my God has sent his angel and has shut the mouth of lions. He'll shut the mouth of lions for you. He'll quench the violence of the fire for you. And then I just, I said I was in closing, so this is my second closing. But there's a story in the Bible where Moses has gone to war. And I love this story because it represents so much of what God is doing at harvest. Mo the, the Joshua is leading the people of God into victory. The battle is turning towards the people of God, but the sun's going down. And Moses knew that the sun went down, the enemy would flee, and they would not get a victory. So, so Moses asked God to extend daylight for another 12 hours. And if you read the story, the Bible says that God did not allow the sun to set, not allow the moon to shine, but God stayed the sun, and the people of God won the victory. 
What are you saying? I'm saying God will do whatever it takes to get your attention. God will do whatever it takes to change your life. God will bring people into your life, one of two reasons, for you to help or for them to help you. The Bible says that Moses got weary, Michael, in holding up. Every time he held up his hands, they were winning. Every time his hands fell, they were losing. He is standing there again all day long, which is almost impossible to hold your hands up. Aaron got on one side and Ur got on the other, and they held up the hands of Moses until the battle was complete. Through this church, God places people in your life to help you grow. Hopefully, they help you grow by encouraging you and blessing you. Hopefully, they don't help you grow by criticizing, and then you go to God for help. Hello. But, but hopefully, they're helping you grow. They're helping you be what God wants you to be. Hopefully, the worship this morning touched you. Hopefully, the word this morning encouraged you that when you leave this house, you realize that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Whether I am 12 or whether I'm 63, God is not done with me. He has a purpose and a plan for my life. And the sooner I pursue it, the sooner I get on the right path to find it. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed, if you're here today and you've wandered away from the Lord and you're not where you're supposed to be and this message this morning has encouraged you, you felt the Lord move in worship and you realize that it's been a while since he's moved in your life, if that's where you're at this morning, just put your hand up, put it right back down. Yes, yes, God sees that hand. Yes. Is this not the day that I have ordained and I have chosen for you? Is this not the day that I will take you from the place of your hurts and your pains and place you in my presence and in my arms? I have called and you have responded. I will extend all that I have to you. And I will take you from where you are and I will not leave you there, but I will change you and I will bless you. Reach out to me, say to the Father, I am here. I will not leave you. I will not let you down. I will not let you go. I'm here for you. In Jesus' name. Father, you saw the hands that were lifted. You see our hearts. We're not satisfied with where we're at. We want to be all, all that, that, that we can be through you. We want to do all that we can do through you. We need your direction. We need your help. We need your support. It's not by might. It never has been. It's not by power. It never will be.